Welcome to another episode of the Mindset Athlete Podcast with me, James Roberts, transformational coach, two-time Paralympian, and TEDx speaker. I have another awesome episode for you today, so let's get straight into it. And on today's show, I've got Dr. Sean Anderson. Sean is an internationally recognized scholar, proud HBCU graduate, and award-winning professor at Loyola Marymount University. As a sought-after expert regarding sport and social issues, he's, he has worked with rec- recognized organizations such as the MLB, PBS, ADL, Nike, ESPN, and lectured at several universities. As a scholar, he's, he has examined how sport has influenced business, politics, and society. He's also the founder of CRS Global Consulting, which assists organizations in developing and implementing their social responsibilities initiatives. His forthcoming book, The Black Athlete Revolt, the sport justice movement in the age of the hashtag Black Lives Matter, examines the revitalization of athlete activism since the BLM movement began. So, Sean, welcome on to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. So the first question I'd like to touch upon is your stance on, obviously most people would have heard of this story, or I don't know where they were if, if they haven't, of the controversy uh, around LeBron James and an ESPN interview where um, obviously LeBron discussed the the ineptitude of Trump's administration and obviously, well, most people have known of Trump's comments on on Twitter to be quite inflammatory and, and, and it's almost like there's no filter. Mm-hmm. What was your take on the the political establishment coming back at obviously LeBron and probably many other athletes that, that took this... I won't say an activism stance, but almost the, the likes of yesteryear of Kareem Al-Jabbar and all those athletes. Obviously, I've, I've, I, I, the list is, is a lot, is a lot, but I can't remember all of them. So I do apologize to them themselves. What was your take on obviously a politician saying for, for an athlete to stay within their, their, their means and obviously stay in their lane? You know, so that's a great question. So if we think about a politician telling an athlete to stay in the lane when we've seen athletes and politics mix for almost a century, you know, is is in many ways sort of uh, degrading of their intelligence, right? Um, you have um, athletes who have spoken diligently, um, LeBron and others like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Muhammad Ali, um, you know, we have Althea Gibson, um, you know, during the civil rights era, uh, speaking out from everything to inequality, to socioeconomic status, you know, jobs, all of these things, you know, it's, um, it's again, it's degrading of their character, their intelligence, their um, abilities to gain an understanding of the current political climate and offer an opinion. Um, you know, LeBron and others have a, a massive platform um, provided by what we see with social media nowadays, um, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and others. Uh, we are seeing every story that they 
involve themselves in um, um, of coming out on those outlets, probably even more so than we see with traditional news. And so um, for politicians who are not always right themselves to, you know, put down uh, any athlete who is trying to fight for a cause, again, it's, 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 it's degrading of their intelligence. Why Why do you think LeBron took a stance in terms of, okay, I, I have my own opinion into, and probably you do as well in terms of yeah. should, obviously, he's obviously since since this is, has transpired, has had his account reactivated by Elon Musk um, mm-hmm. due to a, well, you can't even call it consensus, but in terms of a poll, and obviously yeah. the majority rules. Uh, I was a little bit surprised as it would be uh, that close until mm-hmm. like 51% to 49. I think I thought it would be a little bit more uh, right. skewed in one way or the other. But why, why do you think LeBron took a stance to make public what yesterday obviously would be behind closed doors of, of, of your opinion of, um, of another individual, let alone obviously the president. You know, I think um, we look at LeBron. I, 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 I don't think it's a secret that, of course, he's at the twilight of his career while he's still a high-performing athlete, um, very much wants to compete as long as he can. Um, you know, he's building a legacy. So who am I trying to be known as? Uh, okay. Um, the debate about him and Michael Jordan has been going on for years, right, about who is the best. Um, And obviously, you cannot take away from what LeBron has done, whether he's played in Cleveland, Miami, the Lakers, back to Cleveland, whatever you want to call it. But he's also looking at that other end of the spectrum, right? So, So I'm LeBron, the basketball player. I'm LeBron, the businessman. But I also have to be concerned about societal issues as well because you know let's just be honest I, I he can't be labeled what Michael Jordan was labeled uh years ago when he was he was called apolitical because he wanted to sell his shoes and so uh I would have to say that LeBron saw this uh in a strategic manner you know to talk about these issues because not only does he have a concern? I mean, you know, he's built a school in his hometown. Um, he's wanting to see a, a lot of good things happen, but it's also a legacy builder as well as to say that, you know, I not only see myself as a person that's building a business for myself, my family, but I'm also having these concerns for society. Um, I have to take advantage of this platform and speak out on what I believe are issues that are going on. So, Yes, it's it's great and it's noble, but there is some strategy behind it as well. Why why have you seen a dramatic rise? And obviously, your book is obviously a revolt. But in terms of uh, athletes pulling back some of their control, because see, I'm of a generation that was told that that I'm only like well, I'm late late thirties now, but mid midish thirties. But in terms of for my generation, for the majority, social media is a little bit awkward because we were traditionally told of 
what you want in public is is public and what is private stays private so it's almost right. like this obviously for the current generation it's a little bit easier because obviously they bear they bear all um and for the majority obviously mo most social media platforms it only shows like the highlights of things whereas people sure. have, i think have awoken up to that as like well that's not reality because no there's no person on this earth that is absolute perfection and everything goes right 100% of the time otherwise there'd be a robot mm -hmm. but my point is Sean f for for the athletes that you've obviously studied over the years what what do you think has changed where they don't want to take this impartial political stance to kind of be put, poke their head in, into the sand yeah so you know we we take that back even to uh around 2007 2008 uh when the united states was just going through its uh, one of its major crises you know the economic crisis uh the subprime mortgage situation to where um people were losing jobs um you know losing homes marriages were being broken up because of all of the the, the stuff that was going on and you saw this initial movement called Occupy Wall Street, where people were saying that no, enough is enough. You know, big banks, big businesses have taken advantage of us for years. We're fighting back. You know, here's what's happened. And so then we began to see the shift in our, our political uh, spectrum. You know, when Obama was elected, the first, you know, black president, you know, that kind of garnered people into wanting to talk about um, you know, social issues about race, you know, and all of those things. And then we get to the Trayvon Martin um, trial where George Zimmerman was acquitted. And then subsequently, you began to see um, the hashtag Black Lives Matter coming to, to play in which, uh, incidentally, next year, we're coming up on the 10 year anniversary of when that hashtag was first put on Twitter. And so over that time, you began to see a society that was willing to push back against those social norms, push back against, um, you know, the government who many people probably felt that was not really trying to help them, not really trying to help them find jobs, you know, uh, not helping them be secure in their education, you know, growth and all of those things. And so I believe that athletes kind of piggybacked off of all of these movements that kind of happened prior to that. So, for example, if we take um, the ESPY Awards when LeBron James, I believe Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Paul, all took that platform to talk about social injustice in the wake of the Trayvon Martin uh, situation that happened. And so from there... Little by little, each year, you began to see more and more athletes demonstrate. Um, in 2014, I believe, um, after the Michael Brown shooting in Ferguson, Missouri, you know, you start seeing the then St. Louis Rams come up with the, you know, hands up, don't shoot uh, protest, you know, and that just started to grow this whole revitalization of athlete activism even more. And so um, from what I could see, and, and from what I've been able to study over the time frame, is that these social movements, Me Too as well, sort of began the, the 
or, or they served as the catalyst to, to what we kind of see today um, with athletes now not only engaging in protests, but trying to push for conversations on policy reform and on various social topics. Well, it's still very difficult, isn't it? Because politicians, oh, yes. politicians are well known for dragging their heels on anything. Absolutely. You know, we have the, you know, I think athletes were very influential in, in, in trying to push, like I said, Sandra Bland Act, the, the George Floyd Act. But if you go to uh, the, 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 the website on where the progress of these acts are, you know, like you say, they're still in a stalemate. So, yeah, there is some progression, at least there's been something that's been ushered forth for Congress to pass. But um, we are still we still have a long journey ahead if you know we're going to see true change, because, again, um, any type of form of change that, that brings about any conversations on diversity and inclusion to equal rights in the workplace to um, any sort of nature of that, you know, it, it, it seems like it's always going to be the feet dragging. Well, the challenge is with that, Sean, is obviously it's it's blurring if we bring into you know this this the biodiversity of 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 people of having not necessarily different genders but you know what i'm talking about in terms of yeah. people wanting to be uh binary and, and things like that is is obviously from um i'm not going to knock their beliefs because obviously that's what they they believe in but in terms of genetically you and I know, and people listening, obviously, if you do, you agree with what I'm going to say, genetically, you can only be a man or a woman. So that brings a, a lot of divisiveness as well, because obviously some people are going to be in one camp and some people are going to be in, in the others. And yeah. it probably makes the, the politician's jobs a lot easier because, oh, okay, we need to bolt this on so I can make uh, that needs to be up for debate so I can obviously make this thing be more drawn out process than it probably needs to be when it's uh I think most people could agree in, in terms of like social and economical things it doesn't matter what color you are if you yeah. happen to be on the wrong side of the of the tracks in terms of a town you mentioned obviously you're going to get a poorer education than maybe you, you somebody else on the richer side of town uh as a result you're not going to be as well versed or well immersed um to opportunities in the future and obviously that can create a a, a victimhood mentality because oh i don't have this that and the other so there's almost like a blame culture created basically because of underfunding when it comes to uh, and I'm lucky that I actually spoke to a former teacher of mine um because he he, br he brought it up um he's moved from Arizona to to the east coast as a result but where he was um teaching was in stem and basically because of where he was teaching the richer schools had to give them equipment and things like that so you're almost at the whim of somebody else's well, generosity, because they don't have to do that for them to get, oh, I would call my my schooling 
very fortunate and i went to a um, department of defense school over here in europe so okay. mine was one of the best in in the whole system so mm -hmm. what i had access to is probably a, a far cry from what maybe other people would have because they're on the wrong side of town and, and because of no fault of their own they're already getting a substandard existence and also obviously it, it, it could, could, could create if you're not cautious or aware as almost like blame culture of oh i'm not being able to succeed in life because i've not had this that or the other yeah you know it's 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 interesting um we take into account so so let's say for example if you're in a city um, let's say where i'm in los angeles right um Prior to SoFi Stadium being built um, in the community, um, the citizens of uh, Inglewood, who are predominantly Hispanic and Black, um, now I I don't know if they team together, uh, but I do know that a lot of citizens were protesting uh, for that stadium to not be built in the city of Inglewood because, you know, Okay, yes, every time a stadium comes in, um, gentrification happens, right? People who are living in certain communities for a while have to leave because they can no longer afford to stay. You know, I remember renting a condo in that neighborhood myself. I mean, a small thousand square foot condo, um, two bedroom, uh, no AC, uh, was almost going for about $2,600 a month. And when I moved out to save to purchase a home myself, the owner sold the home for about $400,000 more than what it was worth because of the stadium coming into the community. <laughs> and so the challenge is, let's say again, when the then St. Louis Rams said, okay, we want to make it final that we want to come to Los Angeles you know, most of these sport teams make these promises that, hey, we're going to invest so much money into the educational system. We're going to invest so much money into jobs. We're going to invest so much money um, into the infrastructure of the city to where we can work together to build the city up. And typically, um, or at least the people in Inglewood were like, I don't know, because you left St. Louis a very big bill to pay for a stadium that you're no longer occupying. <laughs> and so the people are going to get taxed more because you decided to leave. And so then the San Diego Chargers came into Inglewood as well. So now you have two professional teams occupying a space where uh, the people are worried about that local stores being closed down, you know, things being built up. And, and on the one end, you love to see it because the city is being built up. And uh, but on the other end, again, you're losing out on yet another situation. You're probably having to move further east outside of Los Angeles County because you can no longer afford it. And <laughs> the, 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 the politics of affording to live in California that's another story for another day. But <clears throat> here we are. And so not only do you have that, 
but the Los Angeles Clippers are now building a new arena in Inglewood also, which will further increase uh, the amount that it costs to live there to where you can could have probably purchased a home, let's say for a Los Angeles number, $300,000 for a condo is, is, is inexpensive. But now by 2025, when that new stadium is finished, it's going to be 800000 or a million for a condo. And so, you know, it's, it's good that the community is being built up, but then you kind of understand where the people in those communities have issue. Like, like how can we survive? How can we go to our local church services, our local grocery stores, when they're being shut down for a Walmart or, or some other a Whole Foods or, or, you know, Again, not to say that those stores are bad, but we understand that those places can become expensive over time. And so the issue then becomes a socioeconomic problem. Um, if I have to move further away to have um, you know, a place to live with the access to healthy foods or whatever the case may be is on that side that I left, there's the problem. And so that's one of the things that, you know, especially if you're talking about living situations and, and not being in the best areas, that's certainly a thing that I think, you know, most local governments need to reconsider. And also, this is where sports come into play, to where, um, you know, we, we scream, leave politics out of sports, but that is a big issue. And that's not it's, yes, it's about it's about ethnicity in some cases, but you're also talking about again, uh, people having a, a solid culture being stripped away. So those are many of the, the big problems that we still have to address. I want to add to that, Sean, and I can't remember where I heard this, uh, where they used the example of obviously you got Beverly Hills on one hand and East yes. LA within uh, I think what is it? What was it? I might have to ask you that within say five to ten months that that's horrific when you yeah. think of one extra most people know of beverly hills be it because of movies or because of film stars but you're thinking on the one hand of well i know uh compton because of music but yeah. the other extreme of poverty down the other end and it's within driving distance you're thinking that that is horrific to know that of a state that I would think that's quite free thinking and quite out there in terms of more of a, like surfer culture that are quite open to to change to challenge things that they would be okay with that disparity in so socioeconomical factors and that is probably like the extremes of both ends. That 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 when I thought about it, you're thinking that's unacceptable because that that's mm -hmm. in one city. Yeah, you know it's it's interesting because <laughs> I always tell people that you know Los Angeles is you know, great to tour. You know you can come here and see all the things that you've seen on television, uh, but to live in Los Angeles is a totally different story. You know, you're you so again, 
the city is trying to build itself up. It's trying to prepare for uh, the Olympics in 2028, um, the World Cup in 2026. And, you know, you have major other major events, WrestleMania uh, 2023, I believe, um, college bowl games, um, trying to host the Super Bowl again. So, so all of these things are coming up in a six-year span. Um, and so what the city is trying to do and all of the other surrounding cities in, in uh, Los Angeles County are trying to do is they're trying to build this infrastructure. They're trying to say, okay, we know that we are a mess. We know that we have a hopelessness issue that is astronomical, okay? I'll, I'll, you take a drive early in the work one morning on Tuesday, and if you just so happen to go through downtown um, off the freeway, you'll see a row of tents just lined up all the way up until you get to the stoplight to go to your next destination. And so the city is trying to say, okay, we want to host the Olympics, but we have to do something about this. What can we do? Okay, we need to build these stadiums. We need to build the cities where the villages are going to be. We need to reduce traffic. We need to do all this stuff. And I'm like, well, in six years, I don't know. I mean, you can't make that promise, but hey, you know, who's, who's telling you what to do? And so you're quickly seeing some cities being built up and others are not. And so that's why you see that disparity like you talked about, where uh, Bel Air, Beverly Hills, Brentwood, um, the surrounding cities of UCLA look, looking prominent. Okay, but right, like you say, right down the 405 or right down the street, you know, dilapidated buildings, homes, land that are just there. And I always say that if you're trying to build a community, whether it's by bringing in sport teams or not, it's going to take at least 20 years from the beginnings of those plans to see the fruition of that work. And then with Los Angeles, which makes it interesting, there are 11 professional sports teams and all the teams have come together under this uh, thing called the Play Equity Fund, um, which is under the leadership of the LA 84 Foundation to try to eradicate a lot of the social problems that we see in our society from um, you know, youth not getting the proper education, nutrition, all of these things. And again, all of this sounds great, but this is where, again, we get to this point to where if sport, whether it's the individual players, the organizations are trying to make a difference, then we really have to see what we're putting out there instead of throwing things on the wall and hoping that it sticks. Mm -hmm. Right. Because each day that these decisions are made, a lot of people are going to get impacted. You know, I, I'm, I'm afraid for the, the, the homeless community that's here, that once we get closer to the Olympics, they're going to get pushed further east, as we say, to the other counties to, to where, you know, it becomes their problem. Whereas it's not resolved. It's just a Band-Aid, you know. Um, taking it taking it to the Olympics again. 
we take it back to the Rio Grande, I mean, uh, Rio de Janeiro Olympics um, in 2016, where they built this whole infrastructure. And then after a couple of weeks, all the buildings were broken down. It was flooded. You know, the, the homelessness population increased, crime increased. And then you even got to the point to where people who worked for the, 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 the city <laughs> were not even getting paid because they were so bankrupt. All right. And so, again, this is why I say people need to understand and recognize the power of sport, whether it's something that's building a community or tearing it down, because it has an impact on what we see. And so when the Olympics drop in 2028 in Los Angeles, we'll see what that does for this community, because so many people are still trying to come here. So many people are leaving. But that remains to be seen how successful beyond the monetary value the Olympics are. Well, the, the only people that I can think to mind, Sean, that are leaving are the ones that are wealthy. Yes. So be it, if it's mo mostly the, the ones that I've heard about, but a movie star, so I'm not going to call out one in particular because that would not that's not fair to that individual um, mm -hmm. because they're moving out because the taxation on their property is just astronomical. So you can't blame the person as an individual to in this case i think they moved from california to texas because it was a little bit more reasonable uh to own a property there because if that was you in that circumstance you probably would do the same thing because uh, why why would i give uh x amounts of percentage to to a state government when i can move somewhere else and i have the means to do it and obviously pay less so that doesn't matter if it's in the u.s that could be from a business perspective, that's the the Middle East gets a big kudos as well. Why don't you move to Dubai? Uh, but what people don't showcase with that is, yes, it might be more beneficial from a tax perspective, but it costs a lot more to live out there. So I think some people are easy to be able to, to showcase the 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 pros, but they yeah. don't always give you the cons in in that in that aspect. So when you mentioned the the Olympics, obviously um, the Coliseum is obviously going to get a facelift. That's that's yeah. the one. Oh yes. Um, so the University of Southern California will benefit as a result of that. Uh, and I think what you mentioned with the, the homelessness of and I competed at one of these games, uh, China, Beijing, they pretty much bulldozed communities to put up. Uh, village, the 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 athletic uh, the athletic village, the Olympic village. Yeah, obviously, it and I can give people some of this because obviously we're allowed to talk about things like this now. But it was in my co athletic contract. You could not talk about anything political. So Tibet, no chance. So if the media brought it up, no comment. Whereas yeah. I think in the last, I think it's the last Olympiad or so. I think mm -hmm. that there's been probably a little bit of outcry from the Olympic athletes say, if I want to talk on something, I should be allowed to do it and I should be allowed to do it at the games because that's the bit that's the biggest platform to do it. And to my surprise, it passed. So if it if it was to do around your well, China's had obviously the Winter Olympics not too long ago, you could have talked about that. And this well, the Chinese government probably would have probably to try to hush you up, but yeah. From a Western media, you would be able to kind of go, okay, well, that's not right because that's uh, not not right of a country not recognizing 
Tibet as a free country as the rest of the world uh, does because they perceive their landmass to be bigger than it is. And same with um, Taiwan is another one with Chinese Taipei. So the the I think the good point that you mentioned, Sean, of of the Los Angeles having the Olympics is the Olympics are obviously going to have it in the US or countries that can make a profit because at the end of the day they're going to get some of that money as well. So to see that we call them white elephants, so be it like stadium that's obviously derelict and things like that. I think the only one in Europe is the Greeks, and that's it. And yeah. pretty much that's pretty much a, a beacon as well. As long as you, that doesn't happen, you can have have the games. So most of the stadia in in this country is still being used. What are we now ten years later after the Olympics in London twenty twelve? Be it they might have lowered the capacity of of the stadiums. Uh, some have gone into consortiums as such. Mm. Um, and they've taken them over and the community can t- so uh, the velodrome is still being used um, what did the copper box hold I think it was uh, handball there's a basketball franchise that uses that yeah uh, okay it's, it's London so it's not that bad but that that because it's in the, the east of the city transport links aren't the greatest so probably if they were a franchise they'd probably want to play in something that's in central London but the rent would be astronomical okay teams would probably be able to do it but we're talking about when I was a kid and they'd have maybe American money and we're talking um, oh gosh dot com boom and things like that so the early 2000s so there's probably a lot a lot of money circulating within things then to the point that Sports seems in this country now from maybe, well, I can't even call it basketball minority sport, but it's not as popular as, say, soccer in this country that they're playing in probably 5,000 seater arenas. For the US, yeah. that's not really, that's probably like second division, third division collegiate. Yeah. You know, so it, it's interesting to talk about that because, you know, I, uh, I have uh, a lot of friends that I talk to about um, sports and, and, you know, the big thing that we're seeing now, of course, is the World Cup. And they was like, you know what, what's the the, the big deal? And I was like, well, <laughs> you have to understand that you, you're living in the U.S. The NFL is, is popular, sure. But the world sport <laughs> is soccer. And, you know, the, 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 the world is watching and this is a very big thing. And so, you know, you you. Bring about an interesting point to where we see sort of like how the world is affected by um, several sports that come in. You know, we talk about the Olympics for sure, but you know, we think about now the NFL and this international series, and and um, they are constantly playing games in the UK, in Mexico. They played the first game in Germany, and um, you know. I know the NFL was initially speaking about actually putting a franchise uh, in London. And I'm just curious as to how this worked, not only from the it's fan not, base. It's not, it's not from, from if, 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 it, if they were honest to the, yeah. to the audience, yeah. I don't see how it's one economically viable for the team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
players won't want to go to that franchise because you're you you're spending say you're gonna have to probably be at least two weeks on the road to yeah. make it obviously that it's not a disadvantage to travel well we'll say the west coast is about probably 10 12 hour flight from from london yeah. maybe yeah. a little bit less maybe a little bit more that's even even teams flying from the west coast to the east coast and time difference and i think that we're only talking about four hours difference but i think the the i think the rams did a youtube about that one when they came over to london and the amount of logistical things that went had to be into the pretty much they were doing at the beginning of the season as the, yeah. for this one game and one week to, to, for so if you're saying it one team yeah yes it'd be probably not nice but when are they going to become successful because <laughs> <That's> <laughs> there the are advantage <laughs> off the off the back straight away as hey yeah. you what what division are you going to put man yes Absolutely. That's still a I'll say seven hour flight to New York. So and then vice versa for the obviously the fan base. May may maybe some of the I actually I, I actually have a client that um one of their family members is a season ticket holder of the LA Rams. And he, he yeah. and what she found baffling was he wasn't even allocated a seat for the Super Bowl, but you're thinking, well, why would they give a season ticket a ticket when you can then X times the value of that seat because it's this one-off game? Uh, for the, so I wasn't surprised. So I think when you say Sean of having the team, yeah, it's nice, but you'd need to have probably another three teams in Europe to make it viable. So what we're we going from uh, a league of thirty-two to now it's uh, a league of 36 and wh where would you then host because obviously NFL Europe was pretty big back in the yeah. day I'm showing right. my age now um, but obviously that was a pretty much an entity almost like um, for people that don't know almost like the G League yeah yeah right of, of the NBA so it was it, mm -hmm. Kurt Warner is probably one of the success stories at the back of that of uh, of won a World Bowl and then won a Super Bowl, but I can't remember how many teams were in it. I think it was like eight teams. Mm -hmm. uh, I think pre predominantly it was four in Germany. We had two at one time or another. So L London Monarchs and then the Scottish Claymores. Spain had a team. The Amsterdam had a team. And then I can't remember where else. Whereas I think there is a reincarnation of it, right? But it doesn't get the coverage, uh, and it's probably like way under the radar. But you're thinking of well, for the for the fan experience, you're not gonna. You might maybe travel. I don't know. Once, once in a blue moon as. Okay, you might have gone to Berlin. Uh, not Berlin. You would have got, might have gone to Munich because it was the first one. You might have gone to Mexico City because right. it was the first one. Uh, obviously, London's had multiple now, but you might go once, but you're going because of the attraction of the city. So you've got the 
the capital to be able to go, oh, okay, I'm going to go see an NFL game, but I'm going to experience the culture and have make a vacation of it. So for the fan experience, I don't think it will work. And, and you think of it more so having a bias in this country, they've got teams that they support already. So it'd be yeah. probably every team in, in in the NFL is represented in the fact in 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 the in the spectators that are watching a game that's in London. So probably the same with Munich and probably the same maybe lesser to degree with Mexico City. But with them put obviously Arizona and, and San Francisco there. It's probably like a Latino aspect of that. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that because obviously I did interrupt, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on whether or not you think it's viable and, and why. You know, James, that's 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 a great question. And and uh <laughs> I've I've questioned it for the longest because I'm I'm like, okay, if you're going to play in these cities, in these uh, other countries, um, is your goal to eventually start a franchise in all of these places, or are you just trying to scout? So let's just say that we're just going to play these games uh, to build up uh, a base of supporters, and then hopefully they can call on their governments to say, hey, bring us here to stay. And I don't know, uh, the scheduling conflicts, that you were just talking about are again astronomical to try to resolve here, and I, I don't I don't know if it can be done um, at least anytime soon. Uh, I agree in the sense that yeah, you you may need a couple of more franchises in in at least a five or six hour flight frame from each other to 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 even warrant uh, such a move. <clears throat> now here's the thing. A couple of colleagues and I did a study a few years ago about whether fans of sporting events, whether their team wins or loses, are you there just to support that team or are you there for other reasons? And so overwhelmingly, um, and, and this is just with one professional um, NFL team, we, we of course need to do the study with others, but most of the people there at the games who answered this survey said, I actually prefer the stadium experience more so than watching this game. So whether it's it's parking to um, the concession stands to how I'm able to sit, the cleanliness of the stadium, just, just the overall ambience, you know, I would appreciate that on any given day that I attend than watching the game itself. And so, you know, I believe that's also one of the reasons as to why we're seeing these new modern stadiums being built um, all across the world. And so I think the NFL, in that sense, will continue to have a problem. I, I don't I don't see, at least within the next decade, any type of establishment of a team in a, another country outside of the U.S., which I would then turn to say that the NBA is doing a better job with its global approach than probably any other sport out there. I mean, we're seeing the results of that with, you know, more players from Europe playing in the game like never before and becoming superstars, right? Um, the NBA just a couple of years ago 
established uh, NBA Africa, you know, to, and they built this program uh, around a social responsibility effort that if we are to recruit and try to build up talent in Africa, we're also going to simultaneously help build up some of the countries that are here, at least from the things that they say that they need. You know, how tangible that is, I don't know. When can those things come to fruition? I have no clue. I still think it'll take at least a decade for all of that stuff to, to try to pass. But the NBA, I believe, has a, a larger fan base than the NFL outside of the U.S. Um, I think the game is easier to play. You know, it's easier for little kids to, to bounce a basketball and try to shoot it rather than playing tackle in the backyard, you know, because nowadays with the concussion in the NFL, parents don't want the kids involved. And so, you know, it's it's difficult. You know, it's always a money play for any type of sport franchise to try to establish something outside of their common environment. But the NFL, I believe, is going to struggle for a few years because I, I don't know. I just don't think the fan base is as strong as they think it is, you know, um, particularly when it comes to, to Europe. Like you say, you were right on the money with, when people are, are having an opportunity to go to Munich. It's because it's, it's that experience, probably more so than attending the game. The game is just the icing on the cake. And so um, I, it's exciting, again, to see the growth of sports, of the NFL outside of this country, but I don't think it's going to happen as fast as they want to. Well, it's, it's, I think decisions when you talk about like relocate, or we like broadly talk about relocation, mm-hmm. it's generally about money for the owner or the franchise. So, and I'll, I'll bring in soccer because it's a good example because Manchester United owned by Americans, so the Glazers. Yeah. So Tampa, Tampa, the Bucks know obviously about the Glazers. Uh, Arsenal is owned by Americans, and so is Liverpool. So when they tried to create that uh, European, um, what do they call it, Super League, yeah, where it was closed shop and it's like a franchise model, the mm-hmm. fans obviously showed. It. So you probably have seen it. They went to the streets and no, no, we're not having this because obviously in in our tradition of European sports, there's promotion and relegation, so there's a consequence of losing. So if yeah. you're bad, hey, next year you're going to play in the division below. Okay, the, I think the NBA has talked about it. I I don't think they'll ever do it because how do you do it? Uh, I think somebody showed a good example on social media is if you demote. A bad NBA team. What happens if it's their G League affiliate that goes up? So it doesn't work because people are on two way contracts. That hey, one minute I'm playing for, just say for example, I'm a I'm a New York Knicks fan. So say they were really 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 bad. You can't tank because obviously the consequence of that is you play in the G League. Mm-hmm. People in New York will not have that. Because they're obviously no. well, I'm not saying the diehards more than anywhere else, but in terms of they probably are the most cynical sports fans going that oh yeah. no, we don't want our G League to be the NBA team. So in in principle, 
would it spice things up in terms of American sport? By all means, because people wouldn't do that. They wouldn't kind of, oh, we're having a bad season. So let's deliberately start losing so we get the best player. Whereas, obviously, European sports, the ones that get the best player got the most money. So that's probably what's wrong with European sports as all you need is, uh, we'll look at Manchester City, so say Middle Eastern money, oil money, they've gone from mediocrity in the last, say, 10, 10 15 years to they're pretty wow. much, you could probably say, unless they have a bad season, they could probably win the league every single year. So, so, so for an experience of it, that becomes boring because, okay, I don't know who's going to win because for everybody else in the league, there's a disparity of, of finances that there's no hope in. There's a, there's obviously, there's one team that Leicester won it, but that's like a one, probably a million shot that ever happens again. So yeah. the, the model for the, the, the American system of it's dependent, if people were really honest, it's, it's the actual people themselves that are paying for these massive sports teams because they're bidding cities against them. So, okay, if you guys don't build us a new stadium, we're going to leave. You try and do that in Europe. It's like, okay, bye-bye. Because the taxpayer wouldn't pay for it. So, me being a Manchester United fan, Old Trafford is an iconic stadium worldwide, especially in soccer. It needs a massive, massive, I can't remember what it was. I think it was like a million, a billion dollars that needs to be invested in the stadium alone mm-hmm. to make it back up to what you you mentioned before of the, the stadium experience is not good. So people yeah. that are going to games because of its nostalgic uh, history that is created, and it's not, it doesn't want very much for in, in probably the last five years. But it's back of its history that people are going from Middle East, from Asia to go and watch games. But the experience is horrendous at best. I've been, but to a youth game, game, and I didn't, I didn't experience the concourse because I didn't need to drink alcohol. So I, don't, I'm going to take people for their word if they say it's a bad experience because it's too close together and you feel like you're on top of each other versus say Tottenham Hotspur Stadium that's obviously got an NFL field underneath the soccer state uh the soccer so that one's been purposely built to have nfl thing but i don't know how much it costs to build it that obviously the team is still in debt paying that off but because of the stadium experience and they probably could hold conferences and things like that it's multi-purpose whereas i think that's i think what southern california is trying to do with trying to change the the aesthetics of the outside of the Coliseum, but also keeping the history of the building. That's the challenge, I think, between... It's almost like a chasm that's created between probably the rest of the world and the US that unless you understood the tradition that obviously European sports built on, which I don't think the owners do, they're just looking for the next buck, you're always going to fall out with the fans because there's there's no synergy. And obviously, from an American standpoint, that if the owner's not happy with the city, oh, we'll just move it. doesn't bother yeah. us. But, okay, I think the only one that I saw is when the, the Raiders played the Rams, I think last week, where there was more, <laughs> more Raiders fans at that game than Rams. So you could still yeah. say that city is black and gold, uh, black and black and gray, black and silver 
yeah. to this day, back of the basis of winning the city's its first Super Bowl in the eighties, which I found was quite hilarious. Because <laughs> I'm assuming some might even travel down from Oakland to go and watch the game. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's interesting with that thought process because the new Rams, the LA Rams are, you know, they're, they're back, whatever you want to call it, because it's, it's like they left and came back, but still fan base, like you say. Um, it's 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 as if to say that you had true sports fans uh, in the 80s, early 90s, 90s, who diehard Raiders fans, um, everybody with the costumes, and it was, it was, an, it was an experience in and of itself, and that's where I believe, again, like the true sport fan coming to watch your team existed at that point. Um, there was not an elaborate SoFi stadium, <laughs> you know, at that point. Like, well, yeah, when they play, it's, it's iconic. And, and a lot of the arenas and stadiums here are, are still iconic. But SoFi Stadium nowadays is, is – it's, it's like the Rams are – it's great when they win, but the, the people wouldn't care less, you know, outside of that because, like you say, stadiums now are more built for events, you know, concerts, auto shows, um, for people even to just pay money for tours, right? I, I, I'm not saying that people didn't pay money for tours back in the day when the Raiders were uh, here in um, – Southern California, but nowadays it's an entire entertainment spectacle to where um, people in Los Angeles were happy to see the Rams win the Super Bowl, but people are like, well, if they win the Super Bowl or not, I'm just going to go to the beach <laughs> on the weekend. I, I'm not concerned about uh, entertainment, even though the city is trying to build up LA Live in that area to be a big sports hub. But if you drive to downtown right now, where it's located in the middle of the afternoon, it's barren. There's no one walking around. You know, people are at work or people who are not working are, are somewhere else in another city. Um, so the, the building something out here for nostalgic purposes, at least in the sport perspective, it is at least in Los Angeles again is not going to work because people are seeing other instances of value when the Olympics come when the World Cup comes it's going to be grand and you're going to see it all broadcast across the world but once it's over it's over here and and you know again that's my fear when it comes to um building sports and building communities around sport um, as the world is kind of shifting into seeing sports as another outlet for entertainment instead of people going to see this um, because they are just in love with it. So let's take it back to what you were saying also relative to um, this past Olympics. You know, I, I think people were very intrigued by, say, Simone Biles and, and her Olympics record and all of that. But then when she had to bow out 
you know, the big conversation started to go into sports and mental health. And then um, you had those who were like, well, I don't care about your mental health. You need to play. We, we, we are paying all this money to, to come to these games or, or, you know, we're spending all of our time watching these games. We watch them to see you, but you decided to step away. Well, but I think she that's, was just really, I think that's what's wrong. I think, um, right. for, okay. I've been retired from high end sport for almost a decade, mm-hmm. but I think this mindset of what you're talking about, Sean, it was wrong because if you're treating people like machines yeah. and okay, I'm probably a byproduct of that because that's how I used to think in terms of yeah. oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay under the radar. I'm gonna say as little as possible to not con, con- um create controversy or, or cause any problems with myself. Thus, I think most people praise me. Oh, you're quite outspoken because I I I'm I'm gonna stick to my guns now yeah. because I'm gonna take anything that comes at me with maybe a pinch of salt or, or or obviously if i've said something and it's offended somebody okay if it's not rude you maybe need to grow a thicker skin like you said back in the day but from the mental health perspective you make a good point of we'll use antonio brown is probably a good example of american yeah. sports yeah. for the person to take off their jersey throw off their pants and run across the field when when they're when they're in the middle of a game, that's screaming for somebody needs help. Mm-hmm. So, I think from from a mental health perspective of, I think this is this is probably going to be a stigma for a couple, maybe hopefully less than a decade. Yeah. People are going to be more outspoken and talk about it. Mm-hmm. That males in general won't be afraid to kind of go, hey, hang on a second, I'm not okay. I'm not afraid to talk about I, I need help because for heaven forbid I might do something that see my family will regret, not me, because I will no longer I will no longer be here. So for for people to say that you need to perform, I probably wasn't fair to Simone if I if I if I was honest and I'm speaking to you today and people listen, that I probably thought like that as hey, she's she's there to perform or let somebody else take up the that stage that may have not got the opportunity because you're in the way. And if you're not able to, for whatever um, reason, you've got the twisties and you can't compete, I don't know what that feels like. As a gymnast, it's probably horrific. Yeah. You don't know where your landing point is when you're doing a somersault and you don't know if you're going to land on your face or on your feet. That's probably, probably a horrific fear to have. But, the powers that be are not going to let that happen because the other person's got no experience of that of that event and they might crumble. So they're not going to make that decision because Simone the Biles is the best, but we're not going to aid her to, 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 to help with mental health because I'd probably say sports organizations as a whole are inept when it comes to that because they're and this is my only personal experience now, so I'll own it. They'll take the next person of it. If you're not fit for the job, they'll just take the next man up. And yeah. if that's American football, whatever. If if you're injured or whatever, they've got another, they've got your replacements 
just behind you. So, okay, James, you're you're not 100%. You can't go today. You better hope that person doesn't perform because you're out of a job. So from a mental health perspective, it's horrific because you're almost creating it because yeah. it's like, oh, I can't, I can't ever step foot over the white line because somebody else is going to take my space. And if they take my space, I might not get back in. And that's my livelihood. That's my family. That's my whole existence. And, and be it from, um, and you probably have heard this for, as, a, as, a, as a professor as well, a lot of athletes, that's their identity. So they have nothing else because of, we're coming back to that socioeconomic factor again, because they're not as well, I won't say well-educated. They don't see putting the same amount of effort into their academics as they do their athletics to be able yeah. to get into to to further to further education so thus for whatever reason it's probably pre predominantly black athletes my only way out of the ghetto is through sport and that's not the that's not true because obviously you're a very successful person in academia i was successful in sport but i think i've got to give kudos to obviously my my professors they said you can't box yourself as an athlete. I see you as this, this, this and this. Yeah. That has done me enormous favors over the years, especially since I've retired. As yeah, they're right. I'm not just an athlete. I don't even see myself just solely as that anymore. Yeah. I've got my academic background because through no fault of my own, it was almost a backdoor entry. And and then I wanted to prove that I was worthy of my place. So I'm going to over, not over excel, but I'm going to excel in the classroom to kind of make a point that I'm smart as well as gifted when it comes to athletics, that I deserve to be here on, on, on my, my brain's merit alone. Um, and it probably more to prove to myself that I was smart enough to be at that institutional level. And obviously from a race perspective, disability, so I can almost jump from one box to another as so I see fit, not what's society is dictating to to me that oh you're only this this is and this and that's what i view so to my point about what you mentioned the the mental health people only see the athlete as maybe two-dimensional as i only want you to entertain me athletes are not jesters we don't live in the middle ages i'm not here to entertain you uh there there is a reason why an athlete Got, fell in love with their specific sport because they loved every aspect of that particular sport and I think when the athlete loses that, that's probably when they need to retire because they've lost sight yeah. of what's really important, so I thought I'd share that Yeah, you know <laughs> you bring up a, a great point and an example that I had when I was at, um, in graduate school and I was teaching a class and um there was a basketball player uh, in my class and, you know, he would drag it into class. It was early morning class. And, you know, he, he, I, I know that he would try to stay up, <laughs> you know, but he kept dozing off. And, and for me, you know, instead of like, well, some professors are, you know, well, what are you doing? You're disrespecting me, all this stuff. 
I just talked to him after class for just a few minutes just to say, hey, man, you know, I've, I've noticed that um, it's, it's hard for you to, to try to stay up. Is everything OK? You know, what's going on? And so it was if he just dropped his shoulders and was able to have somebody to listen to him for the first time where he lamented about, oh, this week has just been rough. Um, I've had practice all day. I've only gotten two hours of sleep because I, I'm on a schedule. You know, they make my schedule for me to where I, I spend most of my time practicing. Um, I um, in classes, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in tutoring um, and I have late night meetings. And then I have to get up at four o'clock in the morning to practice and I have to come to your class at eight. So it's like I, I, I sometimes I don't know whether I'm coming or going. And so, you know, that speaks volumes to just just keeping it into the college sports perspective, right, where you have less rights or at least. Yeah, less rights than, than some professional athletes when it comes to the things that you could do to the assembly line approach that many athletes have to go through. And like you said, if, if, if I was afraid that if he didn't get proper rest, you know, something could happen to him medically and physically, you know, um, but at the same time, you know, he was talking about how I have a brother, I have a mom that I have to, you know, try to support back home. I receive Pell Grant money that, I have to send back to them because you know they sacrificed for me to be able to play this game. And so it's it's a it's a cycle. So it's not only the burden of being a student athlete, but also being the one that they think is going to become a pro athlete. Right. And so a lot of I believe it's important that mental health has um become a big topic in sports because. We don't talk about it again, like you just mentioned about your career. Athletes are super intelligent. Athletes are seeing our world and are trying to fight against the things that are putting them down and others that they care about. But again, the stigma is shut up and dribble. <laughs> the stigma is just just play your game and be quiet. But here's the thing. Yeah, you're getting that message from, you know, some politicians in the media, but you're also getting that message from somebody on Twitter who's sitting on their couch watching TV all day, being an armchair politician. <laughs> so you're just saying the same thing to this athlete that you should be doing. If that's the case, you should just be quiet and sit on your couch if, if that's going to be the argument. But the issue now becomes how do we shift from just seeing athletes as entertainers because at the end of the day you have a family to go back to you have children you have some time where you just probably want to sit at home and binge a Netflix show so it's 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 important and I and I really wish that it's not frowned upon for athletes to talk about um, these issues, and this is not even just again the teams and your family, but you know, like you're saying, if you're a black athlete, it's all the other vitriol that's coming against you, or even saying that racism still exists in our society. You're 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 getting 
people saying, I'm going to burn your jersey because <laughs> you shouldn't be talking about this stuff. And it's really a disservice for what, for the, the amount of time and effort that you have put out there as an athlete to be the best that you can be and to be there for your, your fan base, to not be seen as somebody that, that, that has a voice that is intelligent. Again, I believe that's degrading to the highest order. Well, I think what you what you're saying, Sean, is I I think this is my personal opinion now. So mm -hmm. people might not agree with this, but I think it, obviously it's easier for people to see athletes as entertainers because it's it's jo it's jovial. Oh, I I can spend, say we'll use the NFL, say three hours watching a game, or, or maybe it might be a little bit less for the NBA and other sports. And then I can go back to what I feel comfortable with. So sure. I think it's almost this persona that athletes put out of. Some people will think that they, if athletes feel that they're better than them, it's almost like pre-describing pre into somebody's head, into head, or they don't like the notion of the competition. So I can't com I can't compare myself to. I wouldn't even dream of doing it because it's, it's you're setting yourself up to LeBron James, because, sure. okay, what what distinguishes between yourself, me and him? Color's not a factor. We're all the same. He's very very good at bouncing a ball. That's putting it. That's putting it very harsh. That maybe you and I maybe not have that skill set, yeah. and he's getting paid handsomely for, for for doing something that he's good at. Is that right? Probably not. When we look at sports in general, as how much people get paid, there's, sure. there's, there's probably not. But then you can blame the media for that. The media needs to be accountable for for that because if it wasn't producing the amount of content that the NBA is on every day. Most sports things are on 24-7. If that wasn't put out there, people would probably be, well, nowadays they're probably not, but as in be quite content to read a sport result in the newspaper once a week. Yeah. So that's where some of the, 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 the gaps become so unsurmountable of the haves and the have-nots because, okay, I don't know how much his contract is. But if it was given to me, I wouldn't turn it down. I don't think you would. I don't think anybody listened out. Oh, if you want to pay me that, okay. That sounds right. that seems about fair. Yeah. For 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 what I've for what I've accomplished. It comes down to probably value of how how much do you value in yourself. So for people that are feel challenged by that. Is they maybe need to look at herself and and look in the mirror in terms of what 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 is it that you feel that is so intimidating or makes you feel not in your stomach that you don't feel comfortable with the people being outspoken and and sharing what is their morals their ethics in terms of what they want to stand by and want to be yeah this is almost this is not verbatim but obviously Martin Luther King. Junior said, "Be, be. People be judged on their character and not their skin. Mm -hmm. 
I come from a mixed household of my 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 white personal side of my family brought me up that that is how I view people doesn't matter if you're white black yellow but it doesn't bother me I'm going to base it on how do you treat me how do you respect me what's my gut reaction to to you as a person doesn't matter what color you are but that's a statement that's 60 years old that's still an issue in the US I think it's becoming an issue in the UK in terms of but I think it's if you look at it from a sociological but sociology perspective it comes back to money whether or not you have it so it's almost it's not almost it's been people being put against each other because of where can we find divide where can we find where can we make people have arguments where can we put if it's it's not race it's religion if it's not religion it's it's gender if it's not that of probably still a problem in the u.s now are you vaccinated are you unvaccinated but that's if you looked at the root cause of that that is power dictating because at the, i think the best thing uh, a work colleague said he was a science teacher but i think somebody said what's the difference between people's colors like everybody's that their, their their genetics they're all human race and i think this is taken from um i think it's tiktok a rastafarian was talking to a white guy in the street in the uk of i'm gonna i'm gonna obviously make it a bridge version of this he said if you put water into say obviously i've got a blue bottle in front of me a blue bottle red bottle white bottle what do you see the liquid is still the same on the inside but i will see a blue liquid red liquid red liquid and a white liquid so we are souls in a vessel and i think the most important thing from that was what what's what color is the person's mind yeah i'm gonna see color it's the, it's it's whether or not you could use the word woke as well as whether or not the person is have the awareness and foresight and the consciousness to question not everything in in life because obviously that would cause you know there's that amount of stress but have this awareness to kind of go well, okay what's the intent of the government making me not like somebody based on their color of the skin that's probably a hard question to ask yourself that's not a debate that is i'm probably very fortunate that both sides of my 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 dad and and his sister been in the military so they have gone outside of the europe uh, outside of the u.s sorry and experienced different cultures that they probably see the world a little bit differently yeah you know it's it's right so the aim is the i think from many people who don't want to argue, like you say, it, 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 there, there's there's so much the media, there's so much, um, you know, just how certain families was raised according to region, uh, according to country, um, you know, that <laughs> just keeping it at the U.S. level, it's 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 a disparity between the South and the and the West Coast and the North and the East um, relative to. Um, people's understandings of politics, religion, uh, whatever the case may be. 
and, and all of these social movements that have come up, like Black Lives Matter, Me Too, all of these, are um, people essentially um, crying out about an issue that they're facing. But I believe, let's say, for example, let's keep it at the Black Lives Matter movement. When uh, that movement came out, then the subsequent All Lives Matter came out. Um, I'm willing to bet that the people who created the Black Lives Matter movement were not trying to say that, oh, I'm better than you. You know, I'm, I, uh, I want to get things, you know, um, unfairly. Uh, well, let me rephrase that. I want to receive things uh, in a way that it's just given to me instead of me working for it. That's not what the people are saying. They're just simply saying that, hey, for example, if I, as a black person, am in line for a CEO position at a company uh, um, against a, a white person, just let both of us go up for this job without the penalty of being black, you know, without the penalty of having a stereotype on me that I can't work this position and let me fight for this position fair and square. And if this white person just so happens to maybe interview better than me or um, has a better credentials in the sense of what you're looking for, then okay, so be it, that person got the position. But don't ostracize me or don't even give don't not give me an opportunity because of, of the color of my skin or what you believe that the stereotypes about my people uh, would prevent me from doing a great job. And so at the end of the day, the goal, like you said, uh, with if with MLK is to reach this. Uh, racial harmony where we're not judged by the, the color of our skin, right? We, you know, I, I I think when people say, well, I don't see color, well, I think that's a hope. You know, that's a, a thing to say when, you know, you you are wanting to be in a in a in a world where your content is judged, but we know that's that's not the case in some perspectives. And so when you're taking into account this this movement, again, keeping it the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I think we're going to continuously see things like that so long as we see instances of, say, uh, police police brutality, you know, whether it's recorded that someone is getting shot by the police. But then on the other side of the argument, there's people saying, well, that person provoked that police officer to shoot them. Well, I mean, there are videos where that's excessive, that's excessive force, though. So that's, right. that's probably... The the fifth the what's it the Declaration of Independence needs to be to, to be changed like yeah. as a document as you change yeah. I think it's a put a comma in a different place and it changed the whole meaning of the document it's yeah. but whether or not this political establishment would ever let that happen is one one thing but you know but the right to bear arms is your problem that's that's probably why of say the rest of the world looking in it's like well if you're teaching kids to hide in the corner of a classroom to to be able to protect themselves from a gunman that breaks into the school 
that's just putting a band-aid over, over over or painting over the cracks whereas the problem is maybe and, and obviously people are obviously do it one and this to happen anyway is maybe having more stringent rules for people to be able to get a gun in the first place that would obviously bring down uh the rate of in which people are killed by 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 another human being dramatically uh, and I think, I think the BBC asked somebody in the White House about this, and they kind of reversed it as, "Well, you've got a lot of knife crime." It's like, yeah, but I'm not saying that's I'm, me personally. I'm not saying that's right either. But that's mm-hmm. almost in that circumstance, the media that. Pr- make that more prominent in the mainstream media is like black on black crime so that doesn't matter if we're in the uk or the us because that's that's probably one of the problems with uh young black individuals in in general probably worldwide as in why 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 do you feel the need to hurt another black individual to get you mentioned the jordan shoes because i watched the documentary on that Matter of people got killed for when those the Jordan Air Jordans came out. I was like, "But this shoes? Why are you killing somebody over a brand new pair of shoes?" It's it's it 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 baffles me and it's irrational beyond measure in terms of what. Okay, I, I can't remember how much. It's like one hundred fifty dollars shoes, but you're killing somebody over shoes because of the fear of missing out on, on other things of that. So we're coming back to the economic, socioeconomic factor again. So it's, it's, it's not right that the police brutality, but I think also, I think as male role models, we need to look at a little bit internally into our own community and kind of going, well, what is it that is systematically broken? that's and i don't know if this statistic has changed since i was in high school but i was more likely to go to prison than i was to graduate that is horrific statistic of i think it, what yeah social media showcased it because the bbc was bashing qatar for having the the, the world cup mm-hmm. and and obviously there's a there's a black um co- uh, reporter on there of uh, Car- caribbean descent but they probably will not promote that that narrative when it goes to the US, as in terms of twenty five percent of African Americans are incarcerated because it doesn't fit that narrative of well, what is the case in because I think the Middle Eastern have said it was outright racism because you you don't feel that they probably did win it through corruption, but in terms of they've held a pretty good competition. Um, the amount of uh, crime as a result of alcoholism is way down, but they, they're thinking of banning alcohol at, at future competitions. And that's obviously uh, Sharia law. So that's that's Islam coming into probably something that is positive. That's what I take from it. But in terms of it's almost like a, the media's got an agenda in terms of what well, we're going to showcase this to be wrong, this to be right, according to political, like almost political opinion or what, like people's opinion was like, well, I have a right to not agree with you. 
in terms of that's what debate is that's what conversation is for if we maybe come to a conversation we agree to disagree that's okay as in we we've we've heard each other out we can't agree on certain points uh we may never will do that's okay but that's how i've been brought up so so that 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 thing that you mentioned is is I think not right, but I think it comes back to maybe some individual within police forces having maybe too much power. They they use uh, the gun as a way in which to belittle an, an individual depending on their race. As, oh, I've got power. I can go back now five generations, not five generations, but five decades to what was obviously massive difference between north and south i won't know that uh, my dad's 73 years old i would i would assume that he would have faced some segregation be it growing up and going to school possibly in the military itself to 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 the point that to give credit where it's due that he's obviously tried to not put a mark on me as okay i'm gonna treat you pretty much on civil rights movement as you're gonna treat people based on their character and if you like the person white yellow brown whatever i'm liking you because you are not you are at the root essence of you as a human being or a a kind person so you just happen to be a different color that's about it so me being half American, it's very troubling to to hear stuff, be it more from a, I won't say impar- it's not that impartial, but obviously it's an outsider perspective of the BBC looking at the political landscape in the US. It frightens me because obviously it affects me because my family is obviously over there because it's like, well, it's almost a ticking time bomb waiting to go off, which is you thinking from a, an economic standpoint, it's probably almost like the richest, one of the richest countries on the planet, that shouldn't be really happening on, in a civilized country. Yeah, you know, it's, <clears throat> it, it's, it's interesting where we are um, in the U.S. at this juncture. It's an awakening on one end, you know, where um, we are seeing people from various ethnic backgrounds in the country saying enough is enough with our issues, whether it's um, issues of gun laws to, again, everything on the gamut of um, social responsibility uh, issues in in this country. Um, But then you're is one in saying that, okay, no, we need to keep the things <laughs> the same. The woke movement has come and destroyed us. Uh, we don't need to see any of this stuff changing. We don't need to see diverse characters in movies. We don't need this. We don't need that. And that's the argument that's going on on opposite ends of the political spectrum, religious perspective, uh, perspective uh, or, or what have you. And in the midst of all of that is the the, the slug moving along relative to 
tangible change. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, it's, I think when it comes to all of these issues, you know, um, it's unfortunately going to take time. Now, the reason why I say that is because we can make a lot of drastic changes when it comes to things, but, you know, we, we are afraid of the backlash from any perspective. Like you, you can, you can, you can hire people from diverse backgrounds who are qualified to, to, to be uh, in a, a workspace, but many companies are saying, well, we can't find those individuals where there are a lot of them out there. You know, what are the efforts that you're putting in to, to make that happen? Um, we can see it and we can do it. Uh, but, you know, many people, whether it's the media, whether it's sport organizations, are tied to some, you know, partisan situation. Um, you know, where it talks about like the NFL and many of its owners donating exclusively to the Republican Party. Now, you, you, an NFL owner, you know, I guess you have the ability to do what you want. But what you support can, you know, not benefit some people who, who don't believe in the things that you believe in. Um, that's neither here nor there. But where we're going um, in our society will, will totally be based on if we can get to the point to where, okay, BLM movement, I hear where you're coming from. How can we make the situation of benefit to where you feel as if you're treated as equally as the next person? You know, uh, when we get to that as a country, um, I'm not sure. I believe um, you are 100% correct that the media does have a heavy involvement uh, in that. Uh, there's well, this. It probably doesn't help that you've got. <laughs> two distinctive different <laughs> so people should be it doesn't matter yeah. if you watch fuck news or uh and nsb um i can't think of that msnbc I mean, I understand yeah. About. yeah so one one is republican and it's pretty obvious and obviously one democrat whereas yeah the news is i don't think it is anymore but as in it's supposed to be impartial and give you all the it is. give you fact, and then you make a decision on based on okay, I don't agree with that, and I do, uh, uh, da, 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 da. but it it's it's almost, and uh, it probably doesn't matter what country it is because I think mo most of the networks are doing it now because they're, they're owned by one entity, so they yeah. probably all have an agenda. So if I just pump out this, 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 the people that are going to follow the status quo almost have the blinkers on, so to speak. Some are going to conform. Some are going to do as they're told. Obviously, with um, the, the C word, people are starting to wake up as, well, the science behind it is not as concrete. Obviously, you've got an extreme with that as well, of some coming out as, well, you need to do it for this reason, for you saving your grandmother. Obviously, you're going to do that if you're very, very, very um, close to them as a family member because, like, well, yeah, I need to do it because it's the moral thing to do. Whereas, if you look at the science yeah. of, I can't remember what I've seen, it's like five percent efficacy, and you being 
a college professor. That is horrific. That that yeah. you need okay to give some people some context of that. To have a perfect study, you need ninety five percent to be it to be. It's that's close. Ninety nine would be better, but you can't get a pun. But five percent efficacy in in a in a in a something that's supposed to be preventative and and to to stop deaths. And I think I think it was an African one I'd seen that they showcased the U.S. versus Niger, and the mortality rate was I think eighty percent in the U.S. being vaccinated. Okay. I could probably take that with a pinch of salt because if you want to make it fit your what you what you want to be I won't call it an agenda but if you want to make something to be be true and true you're only going to show certain facts you're not going to show everything because it might might show something to, to, but it it kind of for me it went well okay that doesn't make no sense cuz shouldn't I somewhere in Africa if there's, I think it was less than five percent have been vaccinated, shouldn't their mortality be mortality rate be through the roof? So, was it a ruse? Was it fictitious? We might know in the future. Obviously, a lot of people will be a lot to be accountable for if it wasn't true. To just to see, well. What can we get away with when it comes to absolute power? Never in my lifetime would I have seen 1984 come into to come out of a book and be reality. Hopefully, it wasn't true, and just to kind of just it was just a book. But hey, if 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 oh oh, I was a smart person. If he knew that I could actually come to 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 come to reality, that. I can't remember what I read. It was that people wanted to have COVID amnesty. Like, well, if you've created something that wasn't real, just to see what, 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 how people have been almost become doormats, being suppressed because of social media, of media to the point that you can almost coerce somebody to do whatever you want because oh, we've got all these facts. This is why you need to do it. And then all this thing, it's, it's quite scary that we've become as individuals, almost a collective and we do as, as well, the will of anybody almost like, I can't never think of the movie called, but as in the person looking under a microscope trying to burn ants that 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 is that is almost scary that it's good that you've got the likes of blm you people that are woke to kind of go uh-uh, no chat no 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 hang on a second this is wrong on so many levels that the people are, i think pierce morgan have apologized because he pushed that narrative of hey people that aren't being vaccinated are being idiots I didn't judge anybody. It's like if you choose to be unvaccinated, that's your choice. If you're going to be vaccinated, each to their own in terms of if you you feel so strongly, ethically, morally, maybe you can't have it because of uh, health reasons. I'm not going to make you a scapegoat. Who's who 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 am I to judge somebody when it comes to to their own health? Okay. Mm-hmm. 
you probably could, people probably can tell what I did, but I hope in the future my decision I chose to make doesn't affect my health. But that's an, that's one side of an argument. Or others, people kind of go, "Well, you're an idiot. Why, why, why did you choose to do that?" Or families being at each other's throat because they've been unvaccinated. You're thinking, "Well." What you're supposed to be family members, you should care about each other and and respect that person's decision. So it's, I think, Sean, we live in a very volatile world at present, as in it's it's a dumpster fire. Probably putting it lightly in terms of people are so easily, you just poke them a little bit and they go into full 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 Hulk mode, whereas. I don't know when, whenever that has changed to kind of go, okay, let's, let, let's, uh, we've done, have a nice discussion. You might not, we might have not agreed on certain points, but obviously people don't know that. But in terms of it shouldn't result in that kind of behavior in terms of you like turning on a light switch until I go from nice, calm, relaxed James to I become almost like a Jekyll and Hyde person a completely yeah. different just because we don't we don't agree on certain beliefs it's it's yeah. quite scary that in my lifetime how that has immensely changed to it, it it is it is interesting on the one hand but obviously scary on the on the other hand that you've only got to look at certain countries in the world that they could be on the brink of civil war and it only takes a little match. Absolutely. You know, and I always say this uh, relative to that, you know, we, we social media in particular has given everybody a platform, um, whether you agree, like you say, or not to this person needing a platform or whatever the case may be, whoever, it is that you love or hate out there. Um, but what it has done is given some people the power to say whatever they feel is on their mind um, that they probably wouldn't say if they saw that person, you know, face to face. Um, I'm very much uh, the type of person that I stand my ground on certain things that I believe in, but I'm like you in a sense, I, I I don't. I just. I think it's a waste of energy and time to yell at you about something I don't agree with with what you had to say. Um, if that's not going to even change your mind anyway, <laughs> right? Um, but um, and, and so for me, it's 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 interesting that you know the power of communication and how it has shifted over time has led us to be, like you say again, a, a, a lot more angry, or at least that's what is showcased now because we see it. Um, and, you know, it, whether we can get to a point of um, having empathy and sympathy for someone who it's dealing with an issue that you may not know about, or, or I should say that you may not, you not, you may be not be privy to, but if they explain to you and say, this is my real issue, 
You don't have to agree with me, but this is why I stand behind X, Y, and Z. And the other person can be, okay, I don't understand it. I don't get it, but I'm not going to try and <laughs> harm you in any way, whether it's physical or mental. You know, that's what I believe anybody from any ethnic, ethnicity background, you know, th that's the place where we want to be. Um, speaking about, um, you know, um, kids um, killing each other over shoes, like you say, because they, they want to feel like they want to fit in and belong. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I grew up in the uh, in my junior high school where Jordans were the thing to have and my mom couldn't afford them. <laughs> and if you couldn't wear them, you're, you're in a unpopular group, right? Whereas today I see it as, man, I I, I don't know. I, I can buy me a pair of sketches and I'm, I'm cool. But, you know, all of those things um, have to do with, um, like you say, where the powers stand um, who's controlling that one, right? And, um, you know, how we try to combat that as a society. There is this concept in media uh, or media scholar study. They say it's the, the agenda setting theory that says that uh, the media doesn't tell you what to think, but they do tell you what to think about, right? And so, um, yeah, we really have to pay attention to the fact that, yeah, some, many media outlets have a particular slant towards whatever political party that they belong to. Now, besides all of that, um, you know, we take it again into like your career as an athlete and, and all of the athletes that we see now. The goal is for athletes to um, become more educated on their causes and and put together the proper strategies so where they can see tangible results so where they don't have to constantly go back and try to fight the media on something that they said and all of this stuff like that but you know that's where we stand and so how can we get to that point um it remains to be seen because i believe at the end of the day that athletes who fight for causes, they're going to make mistakes. You know, it's, it's not going to be a perfect transition and we have to be patient. Um, but with the proper use of media and, and the proper use of, uh, you know, talking to grassroots organizations, nonprofits, leaders who are fighting for certain causes, you know, we can see um, some change that will occur outside of this partisanship stuff that we see. Um, when that will happen, It'll take some time, like I always say. Do you do you think then, Sean, what society lacks is true leadership? Because obviously sports knows exactly what that is, because see more from American American football perspective of yeah. if people don't make a certain grade or a standard, this person we want gone. So yeah. it is almost like this. Uh I've seen it myself that people would kind of judge the comp competitive competitiveness that athletes has is like demonize it oh this is bad mm -hmm. like no 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 what you what you have a problem as society is comparison mm -hmm. that's what should be the problem as well 
why do you go on to Instagram to look at, we'll say, fitness influencers and look at that as like, that's the benchmark for what is, so to speak, the ideal physique? It's not. Because yeah. they're not portraying their their true self for the majority. And I think people are obviously aware of that nowadays because it's been talked about so much. Yeah. So do you think, and I think one person you might not agree with me this one, but obviously Deion, Deion Sanders of, he was a very flamboyant character as a, as a, yeah. as an athlete. Um, yeah. And you've probably seen the one he said of don't mistake my arrogance, uh, my confidence for, 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 for your insecurities. I, I love yeah. that. I share that with a client and they went, yeah. he's right. Cause at the end of the day, it's somebody else's insecurities that they perceive somebody's high level of confidence as, I, I would say he was quite arrogant as well, but there's a fine line from my perspective of what is confidence and what is arrogant because it's very subjective. Yeah. So for for you as being an alum alumnus of a HBCU university, mm-hmm. what do you think is he has given back? Because obviously he's no longer a head coach of one of those programs. What do right. you think he's given back to a predominantly black institution by obviously going to Jackson State and obviously now moving on to, to the University of Colorado? You know, <laughs> like you say, uh, Coach Prime, as they call him, right? Uh, uh, Dion, um, I, I I grew up watching him uh, playing with Atlanta, <laughs> San Francisco, Dallas Cowboys. You know, like you say, he's he's always been that character. Uh, coming out of Florida State, I'm sure probably even in high school, um, he had a, a, a flair for the flamboyant, right? Um, I, I think kind of taking it to what you were saying, the, the 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 line between confidence and arrogance, I think simply is um, you can be as flamboyant as you want to be, and you're in your own space doing that. I think that's confidence. But if you're saying okay, I'm doing all of that, and then I'm saying, I'm constantly pointing at you saying that I'm better than you, then that's where that arrogance lies. But I believe a lot of people who are confident people get mistaken for arrogance because, again, it it, it goes into that insecurity that Dean was talking about. You know, I'm being me, and being me is not telling you that you're bad. I'm just being me. And so... Um, I think then people take that on as okay. Look at him; he's calling himself prime. He's this and he's that. He's seeking attention. He thinks he's better than somebody. You know, that's where that language comes from. But here's the thing that I will say uh, about uh, Dion and his move uh, into Colorado. The issue is that yes, there are talented players at HBCUs. Okay. The issue is that they're not as funded as your Power Five, your FCS, uh, even in some cases, some Division II schools um, that are predominantly white. And so I think initially Dion wanted to be the head coach at Florida State, but he was also in, in that latter area where you needed to prove yourself for a few years before you come to a school of that magnitude. And so when he went to Jackson State, which is, you know, um, known 
you know what, for some people, it's known for producing Walter Payton, uh, Jerry Rice. You know, it's it, it has its its name, but of course, it doesn't have a name like Nick Saban has in Alabama. But in the three years that he was there, and again, some people may or may not agree with me, he was able to put the school on the map. I mean, to have college game day, uh, arguably the 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 biggest uh, pregame show in college sports, come to Jackson State, you know, is a help when it comes to wanting to get money from boosters, companies that are trying to build up your facilities. Uh, I, I think I put up a post about a few months ago and I said, well, you know, whether Dion is here or not, if you have a, another prominent black athlete who becomes a coach in the HBCU, you're still going to see maybe 10 years before you see substantial progress across the board, across many HBCUs that compete because they have to build up from the lack that they have financially compared to these other institutions like Alabama to where if you're a top recruit, you're most likely guaranteed at least no later than a second round pick in, in the NFL draft. And so I think what he did to not only build up himself, the athletes and the coaches at, in a three-year span, it was a great thing. And there was no secret that he wanted to coach at a Power 5 school even before he came. Um, the only issue that I would have to say was the problem with him leaving was the fact that many people believe that he came to change the face of H HBCUs and that he was going to stay for the long haul um, to do that. Now, I can't knock that argument, but I also can't knock the fact that he built something that could continue to go if you put the right people in place. Um, and then we also argue about the fact that, okay, we don't see enough black coaches in, in, in Power 5 sports. So is it going to be the argument that, you know, he sold out the HBCUs to go to uh, uh, a supposed better situation? Or are we going to take the fact that he did a lot of good despite what he was paid? You know, uh, despite the, the 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 rankings of that school at the time to where it now won the SWAT championship. And he takes that same credentials, take those same powers and, and go and try to build another program just but it just happens to be a white school. I don't I don't I don't I don't think we could knock that move. The only thing is that I guess many people will feel that okay, HBUs. I set back now because he left. But honestly, before he came, there was not a lot of progress, you know, um, at least financially, at least the monies that were brought into the institution prior to him coming. And so I'm a proud HBCU graduate. I, I love my university. My university, the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, has won a championship uh, within the last decade. Um. And, and they have a lot of latitude, a lot of ways to be able to grow. But I don't think we can solely place the blame on Dion that, okay, we can't progress anymore. You know, he has a family too. 
So, I mean, I support him for, for, for pursuing what it is that he wanted to do. And um, it we should celebrate what he has done to put HBCUs on the map even more. Do you, do you believe because he has that presence about him, I mean, more from a social media perspective, because yeah. I, I looked, because we were talking about it before we came, come on to record, mm -hmm. If you just scroll through, I probably wouldn't be able to do the, all the comments. Could be probably take forever to do it. Yeah. But the the amount of hate towards obviously him making a decision. What was obviously he wants a, 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 a you can't fault somebody wanting to have a bigger challenge, and um, obviously the, the the financial implications of. Colorado wanting him to go there probably would have been paid handsomely to do it because they want to five million a year. They want to be relevant in in yeah. in the division and they want to be relevant in the conversation for time to go. Because so, so for, for for me, from probably being in the trenches of sport, that's probably a stepping stone for him to something else. Mm -hmm. So he'll be okay. I I've been successful at Jackson State. Colorado is the next. Um, ladder on that on that step to ultimately, who knows? Could be Florida State, it could be yeah. uh, Clemson, it could be uh, Alabama. Who who know who knows? In terms of if 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 they want to have almost that prime time aspect of what he brings to every aspect of social media. Obviously, there's a buzz about it. I can't remember how much their social media went up. In this, I know that they sold more merchandise than they have done in, you know, so he brings uh, an, an immense amount of, I'll call it swag because that's what he calls it, yeah, of yeah, people yeah. want to, they want to show their, their colors as, hey, I like where this is going. We don't know where, where it could go. Um, right. Pretty much recruits are going to change their decision based on, that decision alone in terms of okay i've committed to this program i'm going to decommit i'm going to go yeah. somewhere i'm going to go somewhere else it might be university of colorado it could be somewhere else but it almost changes like as you mentioned when he first went to the hbc hbcu was to change the landscape he's by he's by obviously doing that quite easily by changing because if people are uh uh, uh, jumping into the, tra the the transfer portal just on one coaching decision change. If that's, I I I I think it's a good thing because if you got just the same schools fighting out for a national championship every single year, people are going to eventually tune off because it's like, oh, yeah. it's, it's the same schools every single year. What's the point in terms of competing? Obviously, the kids might become. Disillusion to it as well. What's the point in even? I don't think they will probably ever get to this extent. But what's the point in suing up because we've got no chance because of the auto automatic biased to some of these programs because they happen to be Power Five or they have a historical bias of of winning things, which. Yeah. FSU was 
very good when I was growing up. Not very good at the moment, but obviously that would change. Uh, University of Miami, University of Miami is probably a program of t- t- ultimately utilizing uh, inner city kids, black predominantly black kids, to bring because yeah. I think that school was predominantly ninety percent black, uh, not black, sorry, ninety percent white, Coral Gables to to the the football program put it on a on the map, right? So so to to almost single out an individual is i think is a little bit harsh in terms of give him credit where he's he's delivered success of i think what he stands for probably more from his religious background that he's been brought mm-hmm. up upon in terms of i want kids to be prepared for the real world because some might make it to the nfl some people more than likely will have a a normal career like everybody else and they need to have respect discipline the clothing surprised me in terms of you know not not being wearing baggy clothes i thought that went out in 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 when i finished school in the in the early teens early teens but he's got a point that even when i dressed like that as a teenager my dad said no no you're not dressing like that in certain yeah. circumstances, because you're going to be judged, as you're you're not you're not a hoodlum, you're not a gangbanger, you don't need to dress with with your with your pants sagging around your ass, and, and wearing things. So so I think as an adult now, I think it's it's a true representation of leadership in terms of let's give kids a fighting chance to be able to, even if they don't go to a Ivy League school they're going to have an opportunity to be looked at based on their their character, what they've brought to it. And obviously, business and sport is almost saying tangibles are the same as, hey, we like what's sport, let's bring it into business. But yeah. if you've maybe not gone to an Ivy League school or, say, an Oxford or Cambridge in this country, there's going to be certain limitations that you've got because you don't know the right people to, to, yeah. to be in those certain uh, inner circles to be able to doors or magic probably open quite instantly for for those individuals because there's almost like a tradition of family they know all people know each other thus you've oh, always you've got thing, you've yeah. got an easy you've got a I won't say an easier footing but it comes things come a lot easier because you already yeah. know the right people right. so for him to kind of showcase that. At, at Jackson State and now obviously Colorado, they'll have some standards of how people are. I don't know. I've only been to the airport in Denver, so I wouldn't know. But in terms yeah. of, they would have certain standards of what they would respect in in, in that part of the US that he would maybe t- bring on bring on board of. Uh, and I think he's gone into local businesses of I've done this and their services. Um, outstanding i'm not surprised but in terms of that's as a social media you are going to over over deliver as a business because sure of the reach that he's got from a, a audience some people might be local some people might go oh deon sanders has, has repped that business let me go and try it out for myself oh it's as good as he said right but that in an instant is because of one individual of 
of I think even his son went to that institution. Doesn't have to, but he wanted to play for his dad. Yeah, and and, uh, and I think it's uh, a few more players that are going to like uh, go with him. And actually, I need to make a slight correction. Walter Payton went to uh, Jackson State, but Jerry Rice went to Mississippi Valley State University. And so, you know, we still had a lot of great athletes come out of these um, institutions. But yeah, you know, prime sales, <laughs> right? It's, 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 um, he has had that um, sort of reputation um, for the longest. And you, you can't knock again just in those three years having this un, this past undefeated season playing in the celebration bowl um and one of the assistants um who was coaching with him is now the head coach you know of the team and you, you, you can't knock what he said he tried to do he wanted to be there for his family he wanted to be there for his assistant coaches um many of them who don't have his legacy in the NFL, don't have his wealth and the reduction of salary that he took to help support them and help support facilities um, at Jackson State. Um, you know, again, you, you can't knock those things. And, you know, any institution that he would have gone to would have benefited from um, what he is doing. And, you know, the both fortunate and unfortunate thing if you look at it on either side of the argument, is that now Colorado has a lot more resources for him to be able to get paid, um, a lot more exposure for the athletes that are going to follow him. Um, and I think that that's the argument on the other side, that people felt that, okay, with all the exposure that you brought to these players that you care about, that they're no longer going to get um, that exposure. But I would caution any sports media outlet um, to not take away the coverage of these teams um, unless you will continuously be accused of not uh, providing the exposure and platform for these players to possibly get drafted as well. You know, that's... Um, is where we stand with that situation. But again, um, now here's the, here's going to be the problem. Let's say in the next two, three years, Colorado has a losing record. Then all of the vitriol is going to, you should have never left mm -hmm. <laughs> HBCU. You wasn't a really good coach. Anyway, all this stuff, you know, it all speaks to what he said. Um, in his meeting when he announced that he was going to Colorado, he was telling the players that, you know, in this game, it's about winning and losing. You know, um, you, you, you get outed. If you lose, they praise you when you win. And let's imagine that they didn't win at Jackson State in his three-year tenure. They, they probably would have let him go anyway. And then we wouldn't even be talking about this. And, and, and so, again, um, I value HBCUs and I, and I love them and I think they're very valuable to our society. Um, but I don't think we should give up now on the fact that they're going to continue to get exposure just because Dion left. Now, now he's big name. Don't get me wrong. 
But I, there's still value in, in where HBCUs can go. And I also, on the other end, applaud Dion for what he's done and what he's about to do. Yes, please. I think you and I could probably talk for ages. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So for this episode, and I'd love to have you on again in, in the future. Okay. If Absolutely. you had to summarize what we've spoken about today into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? Athletes are intelligent. Athletes are smart. Athletes are more than entertainers. They are business leaders and they are fighting for social causes. So, Sean, thanks again for coming on the Mindset Athlete Podcast. No problem. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's been my absolute pleasure. Thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed this episode and got loads from it. Anything that was included and discussed will be available in the show notes below. And I would love to hear from you. Come and connect and ask your questions. I've been James Roberts from jamesowenroberts.com. Remember this quote by Chris Hoth, an athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think, and execute, not by some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete.